Blog Talk Radio. Pagans Tonight Radio, the voice of the pagan world, featuring the man with all the questions that some don't want you to hear. Called the most dangerous person you will ever listen to, the ever-curious digital pioneer, Ed the Pagan. And welcome, everybody, to a night where we're going to talk about the Parliament. But before we get to that, I want to make some announcements. Uh, Thank you all for making the Emerging Leadership uh, series really very, very popular. Uh, It's done really, really well, and I'm I'm grateful for that. We're going to be following it up maybe with more interviews and things like that, but on February 18th, 19th, and 20th, the Emerging Pagan Leadership Conference uh, will be taking place, and we are going to bring on a lot of this younger, stronger leadership that we've been talking about in a way that you guys have never seen before. Watch for that. You can see it on Pagan World. Now, Pagan World is up and running a little bit. It'll be running a little bit stronger by the, this weekend, which is the weekend of the parliament, the first virtual parliament. And we have a lot more uh, planned for the rest of the week. But first, we're going to talk in, and talk about experiences of previous parliaments. As you know, I've been to all the parliaments of the modern era, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and I have tickets to go to the eighth. And, and the Corellian tradition will be presenting their peace prayer. Um, I did put in a workshop, and it was not accepted, but I will be offering that on the air on Friday. It's called The Coming Disruption of the World Religions. Yes, it's, it, it is everything. I hope it's everything that's there, and I'll perform to the level that you really want me to. But tonight, we're going to talk to, I think, one of the uh, great stories out of the Parliament. And, and, and for us, it's a Corellian mystery a little bit. Um, we'll talk more about why it's a mystery, and I'm talking with the Right Reverend Sir Angela Munn, late, also known as Lady Angela, and um, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So, for those who don't know, um, you are uh, you run a temple, Compassion League. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Compassion. Yes, okay. in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. And you do a lot of work and everything else, but you haven't always been doing that. Where did you get started with all this? You know, being involved with all of the the pagan Wiccan religion and 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 getting to be well, where been, you are. I studied for quite a few years uh, with different people, and I was just looking for something different. And I found Lady Stephanie's temple, Sacred Sea Temple, on Witchbox. And this was back in July 2008. I reached out to her, and she invited me uh, to her temple. And I went and immediately fell in love with her and her husband, Lord Mike. And I attended their gatherings and rituals every month, beginning in, like I said, July 2008 for six years until I moved here to Jacksonville seven years ago. Um, And I did my degree studies with Lady Stephanie and attained third degree and um, started my own temple. At first it was online, and then when I moved to Jacksonville, I did start an in-person temple. And I have a lovely temple with lovely members that I love just like my own family, and they are family to me. so that's that's how I got started with the Corellian tradition. 
And that's that's wonderful. We're so glad to have you. Um, and you Thank worked you. your way up the, and you worked your way qu- quite through the ranks. Uh, and today you are an archpriestess. Um, yes. And so, so that it is. But tonight we're gonna, we're going to talk. Uh, there are times you do a lot of things like crystal cavaliers. You've done. You help out with so many different things. You run temples. And I think I, I, those things are very, very essential. But I think the story I want to talk about tonight is the fact it's uh, the parliament. And you've gone to two of them. You went to the Salt Lake City, yes. the sixth one. Um, yes. And you were, yeah, we in, at, at, we, we stayed together in uh, one hotel. It was uh, Lord Mike, uh, Neil was able to get us, uh, most of us in one hotel, actually. It was kind of a great yes. thing. And it was walking distance to the convention center. And so we were able to walk through the city there in Salt Lake City and see the Latter-day Saints, beautiful temples that they have there and their beautiful buildings on the way to the convention center. Mm-hmm. It was lovely. That, that, that was truly something about the beauty of the space. And they held it at, at, at their convention center. So can you talk about your how being at the parliament for the first time? Par, let me go ahead and explain to people. Parliament of the World's Religions is the largest interfaith gathering in the world today. Where they bring um, religious people as well as religious leaders and things to discuss oh, an array of activities, including the global ethic. Um, and so can you talk about your experiences with that, entering that space and being with all those different types of people, including our own? It was the largest gathering of Corellians to ever attend that event. It's, it almost makes me speechless. I can't even express to people how wonderful it is. It's like being in a state of bliss for like a whole week. Um, you meet so many different people, so many different religions. There's art and music and lectures, presentations. Um, one thing I was really impressed with was, was the Sikh religion who provide this langar. This, uh, they open a kitchen and they feed everybody at the parliament um, a vegetarian delicious meal and uh, everybody sits on the floor so that all people are equal and then they they uh, feed you uh, you know until until you have had enough food it's just it's free it's beautiful um, I you know it was just an amazing experience and I'm so grateful that you and Lord Don encouraged all of us to go and if y'all had not have encouraged encouraged us to go, then I probably would never have made it there. But um, I I can't wait until the next one that's in person to go to. I do have my tickets for the one this weekend. I will be out of town, so I'm not sure if I, how much of it I'll be able to, to see this weekend. Oh, you'll be able to see a lot more of it because, and that's what my speech on Friday is about, you'll be able to get access to space for 30 days afterward. So. Oh, okay. If, that's uh, great. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, so this virtual one is as is, is going to be really. Uh, that's why I've got to talk about it on Friday. We're not going to get into the one this weekend, but it's going to be something that I've been kind of dreaming about for a long time. Now I liked it in 2015 because let's talk about one thing that you, that the Corellians did. Now I, yeah, I kind of encouraged it, but 
you guys got on on the grand the night of the grand succession, uh, the great procession into it to open it. They usually have chosen all the people that have ever done it, but the Corellian, but people come down and the Corellians came down in full garb, beautiful garb. Yes, yes. And, and can, so talk about that a little bit. How that must have been? They came down in full garb and they stood together, and people were photographing. You guys were like, yes, people were just crowding around us and it's like oh may we take your photos your your uh regalia is so beautiful and people were just in awe of our and our robes are beautiful and and colorful and um it was it was very nice it was very nice and so in that process they finally decided that they were going to give us a seat we were going to allow one of our members to proceed and everybody pointed at Lord Don because he's the chancellor and everything else. But Lord Don, because of the motto of this was not only the earth, but it was also women, turned to yes. then first elder Stephanie Neal and asked her to do it. And you were there. I remember you were there. A lot of people were there. And there was a certain amount of surprise yes. when, when that happened. Um, so what do you, you know, I think, what did you think, all think when it was that, that we chose um, the first elder, our, our leading uh, woman leader of president at the time? Well, I just think it was a tremendous honor. Yeah, I think it was a tremendous <laughs> honor for us to have uh, Lady Stephanie Neal to, to walk in this procession and represent the Corellians. And it just made our tradition more known to people. And once again, those robes made a difference because she was one of the very few people you could see clearly on the news. They actually cameraed her uh, when she was walking uh, to it, and she got caught up with some of the other people. So she was able to to walk that unexpectedly, and yeah. it felt really good to be, to, to be recognized as part of the, that global tradition. And you were there, so yes. And you had so. Is there any other memories of the Utah event that you think that are important? Yeah, you know, that said you remember, that you you know really stand out to you. Um, well, one thing I can think of is I tried to take in as much as I could so that I could bring it back, bring back mm-hmm. rituals or ceremonies uh, to to my temple and to share with others. Um, I had never been to a red tent event before. That was something new to me. And so now, at least once a year in my temple, we have uh, a red tent evening with ladies only, uh, women only. And this past weekend, we had our first first moon ceremony for a young lady in our temple. And um, so, um, you know, it was just bringing back, bringing back songs. I brought back songs and dances and um, I was a art management major in college, so I guess I was more drawn to those activities, and um, and I enjoyed the lectures. Um, I even saw the uh, so living in Atlanta. I would go to the um, to see the Dalai Lama quite frequently in Atlanta, and so I recognized some of the uh, monks there, and I got to speak with them. I uh, recognized them while they were doing a sand painting. Um, a sand mandala there 
I love all of those. And I do believe that each person who goes to the parliament has their own unique experience. So, so the event ended, we hugged, we cried. Oh my God, they're crying. You made friends from other spaces and other traditions and other religions. Yes. And then back to normal life. Well, as yes. normal it ever gets for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then t- Toronto happened, 2018. Now, yes. and that was very interesting because well, while I was in Canada, it was the first time because they had usually gone you know, overseas. Right. People expect to go overseas, but no, they did in Toronto, which I was so grateful for because it was much easier on my pocketbook. Um <laughs> But this time you had more of your head together. This wasn't such an experience where it was quite as heady. Um, right. I, well, I knew what to expect since I had already been to the one in mm-hmm. Salt Lake City. And we had a lot more people attend it. That one, we had over we had over 30 members of our tradition attend that one. Um, and the previous one, it was 13. And for mm-hmm. the record, if anyone asks how many was before, two. How about the ones before? One and one. So it's a massive increase in the number of people. Um, and and you decided to do something very interesting. Uh, you like the art, and there's a lot of great music, and there's a lot of great art. And for me, they were laying down the fifth global ethic, which was about preserve the earth, you know, as well as treat each other with tolerance and how to handle these things. But you took a very different track. Can you talk about that? I think that was very interesting. Yes, when I was reading about what was being offered at the Parliament in Toronto, I noticed that they offered a special program called Indigenous People's Awareness. So I signed up for that like a few months before we uh, before we went to the Parliament, and I received an Indigenous People's Awareness certification while I was there. I had to take a certain number of classes or attend a certain number of presentations uh, to get this certificate. And I remember that during that week that you were like, not as available. You were like, you were running from one class to the other constantly. Yes. Um, Yes. We would have quick talks and say, oh, I need to go. Now, one of the things I thought was very interesting for that parliament is that Reverend Kay Aiden, uh, Kai, made everybody with the Corellian symbol, with, you know, sort of their jackets and things like that. And yes. And can you talk a bit about the reaction of that, those that are the Corellian symbol amongst the indigenous? It was very interesting, wasn't it? It, um, it was. Um, it, it was. Of, um, go ahead. They, I was going to say, one of the things I noticed is that, that, that people reported that people thought they, you know, that symbol was an indigenous symbol, which is, it's got elements of it. And they were not sure about they were, they were not quite sure about us as, as a whole where we stood in that sort of you know in that sort of spectrum of religious right uh, and so they did so what did you learn from the indigenous awareness uh, system? What is it that you really learned? What is it that you carried uh, forward? I was not aware of things that had happened to the indigenous peoples, especially in Canada. I got to hear their stories. And it, like I said, it was just, it brought an awareness to me of, you know, 
the women who were missing and murdered and the the reservation schools that they had and um I, I I didn't know about these things until I attended and heard the uh stories that these people uh that these people told. There were not only indigenous peoples from Canada, there were people from indigenous peoples from the Netherlands, um New Zealand. So yeah, there were from all over indigenous peoples from all over the world. And it's very simple. Um Vice Chairman, um and we were very fortunate in that. Vice Chairman Arthur Arthur uh Myrna had been speaking about the fact that the pagans were the indigenous people of Europe. And that well, like what happened to a lot of the indigenous people, they got slaughtered way earlier by what would become these sort of Western which we would know as Western um Western philosophy, Western civilization. And uh, I don't think people realize how much damage Western civilization, as we call it, um, really uh, did damage, I think, to, to all of these cultures and still are. Yes. Yes. And so – But in addition, in addition to learning about damage done, I also got to hear stories about um, – the, how they, uh, you know, when babies were born, and I learned about the indigenous women about how they were supposed to wear their hair and their garments and and things of this nature. So it wasn't only about the atrocities; it was um, it was a lot about their lovely cultures. And so, and that's important. So, what what would be something that you could share that you really thought, and really thought was beautiful and and something that you had not experienced before um the indigenous women from the netherlands sang some songs from their homeland and and of their culture i thought that was was really neat um the um their robes their regalia was was really beautiful and then that was. And one of the things I think makes the parliament very distinctive for me, uh, one of the things that happened to me, my first real encounter with the indigenous people, the First Nations, uh, was when I was working in the parliament, my first parliament. I was one of the first pagans to actually join. I was the first pagan to actually work in the office. That was a weird thing. And I became assistant stage manager throughout the parliament. And one of the things I had to do is go into the green rooms, prepare everybody and get them to come out. And so the uh, the, the tribes uh, were beginning to prepare, and they were lighting sage. Now I've seen sage; I was a pagan, so I knew that. Right. And they and they did it very correctly. But oh, so they actually had cops going to go to arrest them because it smelled like marijuana. They couldn't believe it, and they actually. <laughs> I'm serious. This we had almost a major incident. They wanted they, the police, which we hired. The parliament hired police because that's a requirement in the uh -huh. city of Chicago for security. Right. And they wanted to arrest these because they had no clue of what they were doing. They had no understanding and no desire to understand. They just simply considered – they were just harassing them for a moment. And they, they – you know, I, I remember it because, you know, I kind of looked at it and go, you know, these guys have to be on stage. These are important chieftains. 
And and uh, several of the other people got up and they, they were yelling. And the police just looked at us and we brought them on stage. And they you know had, they had done their work, but it was very interesting that when they should have been in some of the safest space they had ever been in, they're at the center of an interfaith movement. They're about to go on stage to show their music. They were beautifully dressed. And these cops, which were hired by the parliament, decided that they had the right to harass them over what they mm. thought was marijuana. Because, you know, today, in, in 2012, marijuana is, is anywhere from decriminalized, tolerated, to actually legal. But in 93, right. oh, my medicinal. God, we're medicinal. In 93, none of that was true. It was enough that you could still be very much arrested for even the smallest amount. And so and I remember that being very important. How much discrimination against these practices there were. So, so I'm very grateful for it. And so they also, so when we're in uh, Toronto, and they did the same thing in Utah, and they've done, you know, they did the same thing in Utah. They lit a fire right. to start the parliament. And it was beautiful, Open, and it was a great opening. Yeah, the opening to open the parliament. <laughs> a lot of us attended that. It was beautiful and everything else. By the time you got to the end of it, there were only a couple of hundred people left at the parliament on that last day. And of course, you were there. And this is yeah. uh, this is this is going to be to me. This is a very important story to the Corellians being recognized. And I think it has a lot to do with what you did. Um, I think the ancestors talked. And uh, this is only a mystery uh, for now. And what is a mystery? When you hear it, you either believe it or you don't. You accept it for what it is. And um, and that uh, happened. And so we would came down. You came down. You were part part of the circle. We all were. And as I mentioned, a lot of you were noticing the badges that we were our Corellian. And you know, and this sort of affinity that had opened up between our members and the indigenous people. There was a lot yeah. of, this, especially natives of the Canadian First Nations, and you know, and the American First Nations, and they were sh- surprised. And then when we started sharing some of the ideas, like you did, that they we found out they was very similar, and they found out about our roots. And most people don't don't recognize it because Don. Can look very, you know, very white at times. So I guess for any uh, other purposes, but he is of mixed blood. He is of Midwestern mixed blood, and uh, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But you guys were standing there. Can you talk? Yeah. You know, can you talk a little bit about what it would happen next? Well, I was standing next to Lord Don. He was on my left, and um, these elders with this First Nations group. Uh, were telling us that, you know, of course, we were all in a circle with, like you're saying, I don't know if it was maybe over 100 people, 200 people. It was was a huge circle, probably the largest one I'd ever been in. And Mm -hmm. they explained that we were going to end the parliament by having a hugging ceremony. And they explained, they came up to Lord Don, and they said he would start off by hugging each person in the circle. And so I, since I was standing next to him, he was on my left, I turned to follow him, and they said, no, you will be the last one in this circle to be hugged. So I was like, okay. 
And I didn't really think that much of it until all of these people started coming around and hugging me and they were blessing me by the time they got to me at the end of the circle. They uh, were just offering blessings to me and, and telling me, oh, you're so patient and, you know, um, but I think all of the blessings that the people bestowed on me was wonderful. And one of the things I think that happened is they called Don brother. And I think they recognized his roots to a certain degree. And I think yes. that was a very, and that was for the Corellians would be a breach. It would be solving a breach that we had suffered for a long time. And we do have, besides Wiccan strains and spiritual strains and psychic strains, we have this, the family, uh, the family Corral, out, started you know, really organizing in 1879 in a more uh, Western way, had native blood. And so when they called up Don as the first one, so it, so Lord Don was the first one, and they gave him a hug. Now this is where the, it gets really nasty, right? They said, no pictures. What? No pictures were allowed. No filming was allowed. Uh, my camera even got blocked. <laughs> okay. If you understand anything about Corellians, uh, Phyllis Corral earlier that day said, is this being filmed? And he goes, you know, or, you know that filmed, and, and – uh, at that time, Reverend Laurie raised her hand. He goes, I, I'm telling you, oh, we have Corellians in the audience. Of course it's being filmed. Um, <laughs> we're, we're famous for photographing a lot of things. We create a record because we feel like so many of the records were lost that we've always had this sort of idea of records. Take away a, Corellian, a Corellian's camera, you know, and then it's like, they, it's like they lost a vital part of them. It's like, oh, my God, how are we going to know that this is real? <laughs> And that was something else. So we saw Don get me you know, accepted by them. And then he started giving, so he's the first person they hugged. And then Don hugged the next person, which was Lord Denman. And, and then all the other people around. Like I said, hundreds. I think, that, I think it was right around 200 people. And they would go around. It's, yeah, I think they, it, it could have been 200. I've got the number somewhere. Uh, basically, he hugged Don. And then he hugged the next person. Then Don followed him and hugged the next person. And then the next person. Yes. Switched off, so it was like around, you know, if you ever seen us do a circle dance where everybody grabs everybody's hand and kind of goes in a circle, well, it was kind of like that, except it was hugs. And so, yeah. and it took a while. And and part of that, too, right before it, we all had to throw, um, they gave us seeds and everything else where everybody took, too, this one took a while, too, where they put their wishes in and their energy in. Uh, they had, you know, sacred wood and sacred incense we would throw into the fire and then as the fire was dying it was going there so the very purpose of this is that they were letting the fire die naturally they weren't going to kill it they let yeah. it die naturally and they got all the hugs and you were the last person i mean we none of us expected this don being the first and you that, being the last receiving all of this energy yeah. yes and and so for yeah, me, I, I, I didn't expect that to happen of course not how could anyone expect that to happen <laughs> It was so spontaneous. And for me, this is why this is a Corellian mystery. Because we've been trying to figure out ways to to solve or to answer what we saw as a breach between us and that past to our own ancestors. Because we had become, you know, our traditions very westernized in some ways. We're, we're a model Wiccan tradition 
with, you know, spiritualism and psychism, and we do have native practices, but, you know, but, the, but we only recognize it in ourselves and have it being recognized there. So I remember after this, this happens, you were just, you were just shaking. You were just so joyful. It was, you were full <laughs> of tears uh, when they finally yeah, got to I you. And well, you hugged a lot of people afterwards. You had nobody to hug. <laughs> no, but I did receive a lot of hugs. And so that, so how did that feel? I mean, that, that must, you know, while the rest of us have received probably mathematically, we all see the same amount of hugs. Okay. Right. Technically, we all receive the same amount of hugs, hmm? giving or receiving them. But there's something very sacred of having to stand in spot and then accept all of this. Can you tell us a little bit about how you were able to stand there and really accept it? Because that must have been a, you know, especially after you've gone through all this awareness training and, and you've been through all of this, and then you had to stand there and accept it. It was beautiful. It was very serene. It was very calming. It was just so much love. Um it was just perfection. It, it was it was just wonderful. I just mm-hmm. don't even know how you know I can express express that feeling, but it was it was just pure love. And see, and I don't know that people recognize how it was. quickly. Like I, for me, it was it's like it was something I'd never seen before. Something that moved mm-hmm. me, moved me in a big yeah. way. Uh, <clears throat> Because, uh, you know, so it would move me in a big way. And one of the things that came out of it um, is that you became very quickly known as our sacred grandmother, our grandmother restored. That was one of the key messages that spirit almost as, almost immediately after that event happened brought out. And I brought, you know, it was one of those things, if you know me, if people know me, and you guys do know me so well, after 13 years of being on the radio, you know I am not one to bring messages forth or I, I love having my audience do it. I love having my tradition do it, but I'm not one to do that. Hmm? Not as a whole. You, I, you were very excited about what happened. Mm-hmm. You, you were very excited. Yes. Yeah. And I, and the message was brought forth is that our sacred grandmother had been restored, that, that we had been recognized as part of the greater tribe, the, that we were part of once again, the tribe. And uh, so that was something very important. And I'm really grateful that you went through that process for us because I do think of that as, as an essential part of what it is. So can you tell us a little bit what's happened after that now? Well, you know, I think about what it means to be the sacred grandmother, and I think my role hasn't come out completely. I think it's mm. evolving um, one thing I have been doing, I, first of all, I don't have any biological grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I want to be a grandmother. I don't know if I'll ever be a biological grandmother. And I remember a few years ago at Illustration sitting next to Lady Bitterwind. And mm-hmm. the next day was Easter. And I asked her if she was going to be at the Illustration that day. And she said, no, I'll be spending the day with my uh, with my family and my grandchildren. And I was like, oh, that's, that's so lovely. I wish I had grandchildren. And she turned to me and she said, the child that you are seeking is seeking you. And so I relate those two things 
together of the, you know, me seeking a child, the child seeking me. And um, our temple has started a Karelian scouting group. And so I really get to be grandmother or a fairy grandmother, godmother to lots of young children through this uh, Crystal Cavaliers program that our temple started. So uh, I think my role is expanding and evolving. That makes sense. And it does. And you've done a great job. And everybody loves you and everything else. And yes, you're the first sacred grandmother of the tradition um, of modern times. I'm not, we're not sure if there was ever anyone who filled that role before um, because we've had the sort of the family taking care of it. But at, in our modern day, I think you're right. You are, um, and uh, I think that you are, you are evolving the position. I think there's a lot about the Corellian decision that is evolving, and I think you're going to be very important. Yes, that's true. And I think it's going to be very important uh, to us all. So I think this is a great story to tell. This is some of the things that can happen to you. I tell people all the time, the Parliament is life-changing experience. It changed my yes. life. It did. It absolutely changed. And I'll talk more about me, but tonight I'm talking to you about Lady Angela. So is there any last things you want, would like to say to anybody? Would you Anything you – know, the only thing that I can think of is to tell people when you get a chance to go to a parliament the next time it's offered in person, well, and then if you can go to the to the virtual one, but in person, like I'm saying, it's just like a total week of bliss, just being around, just loving people. Um, just do whatever you can to attend a parliament in person. It is just the most wonderful thing that you're real, you'll really ever experience. And there you go. Um, I I think we've we've covered it. I think we've done a really good job of it tonight. Uh, so oh, thank you. And so um, there we go. And uh, we're gonna. Uh, yeah, that's that's perfect. Um, and so if people want to contact you, do you have a way to be contacted if they want to find out more of what you're doing? Um, well, of course, I you can find me on Facebook. My name is Angela. Last name is Munn, M-U-N-N. Um, that would probably be the best way to reach me. Um, and by that, you know, I can invite you into my temple on Facebook, our temple page. Um, you know, feel free to message me if you have any questions or if there's something you'd like to say. Um, that's, that's probably the best way. There you go. So blessings and thank you for so much for what you do and sharing this story. I think this will go down in the thank ages you. as I think this will go down in the ages as as, as a mystery. And like I said, it killed me not to be able to film this, but I guess for the best is that you could tell the story. <laughs> and so one last question. So do you find okay. yourself hugging more since that event, or did you always hug? How is I think it, how I've, is, I've always been a hugger, I think. I think that's pretty natural to me. I love <laughs> to hug and to be hugged, and I think it's very important for a person's mental and emotional health to be hugged. I've heard that people need to be hugged every day for a minimum of 20 seconds. 
Wow. I'm never nowhere even close to that. I'm not even close to that. I have to well, next really time I you. see you, I'll hug you for 20 seconds. There you go. I would probably appreciate that. Well, with that, folks, we're going to say uh, thank Lady Angela for being here. Um, and tomorrow we'll be back. But tomorrow night is a very special show. We're going to meet Greg Bornstein. Uh, Greg Bornstein is a, is a fabulous individual. He does uh, open loops. He's a conscious disruptor, so it's going to be a little break from it. And then we're going to get back to Parliament Talk with some more fascinating stories from the Parliament. And this weekend, we're covering the Parliament here on Pegasus Night Radio. Um, and with that, we're going to play tonight um, from Circle, Returning of the Ancient Ways. Blessings and good night, folks. Good night. Blessed be.
And thank you, folks. And this is Peggy Snight Reggie signing off for the night. And wherever you are, may you blessed be.